Welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast, episode number 76. Oh no. 76! Woohoo! <laughs> you always like pause there for me to say something. I never have anything to say anymore. I'm Nick alongside Emily, who is alongside a bad margarita, apparently. Listen, I'm going to power through and it's going to be fine. Emily, what is it we do here on this show? We take a look at the week-by-week downfall, because it's not slow but inevitable now, it's just happening, of WCW (laughs) in the late 90s. Does does it feel slow or or inevitable? It's both. It is slow and it's inevitable. No, these shows are not slow. True. I've never seen something that's so fast-paced that feels like it takes even longer. Yeah, we've been talking about how these shows are now shorter in runtime. But my God, do they still feel like three hours? You know what it is? We're watching a three-hour show on 1.5 times speed is basically how Russo's writing it. Oh my God. If I had to watch another hour and a half of this show, I think I would quit. I don't think I could do it. the second episode in a row, you're like, why are we doing this? Yes, that's where I'm at, man. Well, today we were talking about the January 10th, 2000 WCW Monday Nitro. Live from Buffalo, New York, it's the final Vince Russo Nitro for three months. Um, yeah, are, are you excited for a break from him? No, because I don't know what that means. Like, I, it, it's the unknown versus the known chaos. Like, we know what's coming with Vince Russo Nitros. We don't know what comes without him at this point. Because it's not like Eric Bischoff is coming back and be like, oh, things are back to normal. What, what's next? What happens? Yeah, I, there, I do have the list of bookers. We'll talk about the, him leaving a little more at the end of it. But I think it's just going to feel more like mid-99 rather than late-99. I can't remember if that's bad or not. It's not great. Well. So tonight's show actually went up. It was a decent rate for them. They did 3.5. How? Because maybe, of Thunder? Last Thunder was good. Maybe the Legends. Was there like a marketing push of the Legends? Maybe? No, that was completely like, announced during the show. Well, because I think of the ratings as, like, the people that watched it all the way through. It's, I mean, if you show up a quarter of the way through, you still count. But this is what blows my mind about the ratings, because this is 1990, sorry, this is 2000. It's not like everyone's on Twitter, like, yo, what the fuck, Paul Orndorff is here. Like, that's not happening. So how do you know? I think it's the era of call your friends. Yeah, friends? Well... (laughs) No, no, you, you, you call the show friends. Ah, this is not the era of um, wrestling fans being ashamed that they watch wrestling, so they're actually like talking about it. No. I did have a realization about something you said last episode, and I talked to you about it, mm-hmm. where you're like, God, football fans don't seem like wrestling fans. Like, God, how different things are. Because now wrestling fans are deemed like, oh, they're nerds. Right. As opposed to back in the day, it's like, oh, they're like meathead rednecks. Yeah, things Basically, they're right back. <laughs> Feed me more. Yeah, I mean, we've we've gone to a fair few live wrestling shows. I would not call that crowd a redneck crowd. They're the they're weebs. I love them. They're great. They're <laughs> Wait, wonderful we're, people. We're at the weebs. show alongside them. Yeah, and they're wonderful people. But I would never say that they are. I don't know. I would never say that they're like redneck. Emily, I know we're about to have an exodus of some WCW superstars. It is possible it's going the other way. What do you mean? Well, on Raw. There was, like, a massive, like, threat to walk out. On Raw? Yeah. Really? Unfortunately, it was in kayfabe. Oh. <laughs> uh, and they're like, oh, Triple H and Stephanie, if you don't meet our demands, we're going to walk out. And we're going to go form the World Rock Federation. Who was part of this? <laughs> the Rock is the main person. Well, yeah, no shit, but who else? It was, like, the whole roster. 
Really? I yeah. don't remember the storyline. It was like one episode. Oh, that's yeah. why. Yeah. They, they were mistreating the whole roster and they, they fired Mick Foley. And so even in kayfabe, they're like, no, we're not going to go to WCW. We're going to go start we're our own. We're going to start our own company. The World Rock Federation. The, the Ro. The Ro. W-R-O. Like or they, no, Roof. I can't spell. Cut that out. I think they needed to give it a lame name. That way people would go, actually, that sounds cool. The World Rock. Yeah. It's hard to say. The World Rock Federation. You yeah. really have to enunciate every letter of that. Even WWE, I hear the commentary slur those letters. WWF. WWE. It's... Or you, you can be Vladimir Kozlov. What? Vladimir Kozlov definitely enunciated. He was Mr. Double, double, double E. e. <laughs> no, I'm thinking of like Michael Cole. He never says WWE. He says WWE. Yeah. It's one letter, really. So let's get into this show. They I, they don't recap last night's show. They recap Thunder instead. They, well, actually, Thunder was better. Yeah, they're trying to make a push for Thunder. They, they actually working. they actually like made more matches for the pay-per-view on Thunder than they yeah. did on Nitro. Same for the Thunder after this episode. It was better. Post-recap, we get Terry Funk, Larry Zabisco, Paul Orndorff, and Arn Anderson arriving in a limo. I found out a fun fact about Terry Funk from the, the Observer around this time. Mm. Apparently, when he showed up last week, he was technically still under WWF contract. Really? He didn't realize it. <laughs> so, his contract expired at the end of the year. Yeah. Apparently, it was like, all right, if we don't like, give each other notice or whatever, it'll just roll over. Mm-hmm. They oh. missed the memo on oh. that. That doesn't make any sense, though. If, if you don't tell me that I'm fired, I just stay on? Yeah, and you get paid uh, for the year. Okay, I guess if you get paid. Yeah. Because, like, I'm thinking back to when I was a, um, when I was, like, a temp to hire, when I was, like, in between jobs and I was doing a temporary job. If they didn't tell me that they were hiring me after my five-week stint, I was just assumed fired. Well, and then then it was In my case, it was the opposite. But that's the, that's what I signed on for. It was, if you don't resign or if they don't tell you, oh, you're hired, it's just assumed that you are no longer on payroll. Well, Vince McMahon actually just signed a contract with the same thing where it's like, all right, you, you need to give like 180 days notice or, or however many days notice that at the end of the year, your contract will not be renewed. Like 2023? Yeah. Well, oh, shit. So yeah, he's there for a while. Fuck. As long as the mustache doesn't stay. <laughs> that said... WWF was just like, eh, we're not gonna make a big deal out of it. Like you're Terry Funk, you, you've you've kind of earned go off. Yeah, you've earned you've earned some some like little mistakes like that. Or are they just afraid of him? They're like, if you try to punish us, he'll come at you with like a a branding iron, a branding iron on fucking fire. So let's go into our first match tonight. We're start, starting off with uh, what I thought was just a two team tag match. Turned out there was a third team. Yep. Because I wrote. It's Perry Saturn and Dean Malenko versus Billy Kidman and Conan. No Eddie Guerrero coming out with uh, the Filthy Animals. Ray was Noted. there. but So then they start fighting. Then David Flair and Crowbar come out. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. That So I thought that this was like just immediate interference. Same. I was like, I was pretty pissed because like, how dare you do Billy like this? We haven't seen him wrestle in weeks and you're going to just cut off his match? Fuck you. We saw him wrestle like last week and the week before. But he also, he got interfered. Well, yeah. Yeah, I, I want a fucking match, Yeah, he, man. Fought, he fought Jeff Jarrett. That's going to be interference. I'm going to worry and about it. weird issue, like, audio is only going through one channel for a little bit. You noticed it? I didn't really. The cameras don't know how to shoot this because it's a six-person tornado tag match. But, okay, would it have killed commentary to have told us that? 
No, but actually it might have. We don't know. It may have because they didn't. Cause we I, had to figure it out as we were going. Yeah, I'm just like looking. Everyone's fighting. I see someone attempt to powerbomb. I'm, I'm Billy Kidman and I'm like, okay, well, I counter that. Um, yeah, like I looked at Nick. I was like, um, what's happening? Why aren't we tagging out? Why aren't we DQing? He's like, oh, it must be a tornado match. I'm like, I would love to know these things. Yeah. I'd love to have like a title card. Anything. Yeah. I, I got real lost in this match. David uh-huh. and Crowbar start using their weapons. Dean and Perry Saturn start attacking Ray up the ramp. Perry Saturn just vanishes at one point, but it, it, it's for the next spot. See, I thought he was going up the ramp with Ray and Shane Douglas, but he's going off on his own. So Perry lays Ray on, on a table below this like area of the bleachers, which is raised. Perry does a big diving splash onto Ray through the table. Although the the table uh, has some nice pads underneath, it looks like. I mean, don't undermine it. It was actually really cool. Oh, yeah, it really like, was. The whole match kind of centered around this move, and it was kind of clear that that was what was happening. But it was really cool. I mean, it showed the big empty part of the the stands yeah. that they didn't fill. But you don't really see that kind of a move. No, it was it was definitely a big splash. It was dumb, but it was cool. It it was. We'll see another example of this later. So it felt kind of weird to do a big diving splash in the first match in this show when you're going to do another one later on. I think this one was different, though. This one had more audience participation or, like, outside the ring. It it was going through a table. I think it was different enough that it kind of stood on its own. Also, is Rey Mysterio fucking clear or not? Oh, I don't know. Apparently he can take a fucking diving splash. but I think he's fine. Perry Kayfabe hurts himself doing the splash, so David appears and pins him on the floor and they win. And um, this is the first match. I'm like, this is not bode well for this show. And you were correct. Yeah. <laughs> that jump was really cool. That like kind of gave me some hope. I'm like, oh shit. If we're doing this in the opening bout, this could be cool. I don't know what he's going to do on Sunday, but it was nice to give Perry Saturn like a nice little moment before we know he ends up leaving. That was probably the last big thing we'll see him do. Yeah. I would not be surprised at all. I mean, they don't really give him a lot of TV time where he's not a bumbling idiot anyway. So the fact that he's like being able to show that he can wrestle... Good on you. Get it in before you get the moppy gimmick, man. Yeah. And as I mentioned before, every person who will not be with WCW next week, they don't know that, they, they, that they're they going to leave yet. I really wish I was like a fly on the wall in the room when they decide to go. Because was it really just spur of the moment or was it like well, we will, pseudo planned out? So I guess now's the time to say we're going to talk about all that next episode i'm still gonna speculate this episode i want to think about what those conversations were yeah we're gonna do all the all the goodbyes all the all the stuff or or the majority of the stuff next week what about the buff well we'll we'll talk about him uh next week and this week but yeah we will talk a bit about vince russo leaving at the end of this show but everybody else who leaves we'll talk about at sold out after the match, we get commentary checking in. It's still Tony, Bobby, and Mike. But you wouldn't know it from the camera angle. No, they like fully like just block Bobby out of the shots for some reason. Yeah, they don't want him there. It's pretty clear. <laughs> they note, normally we would know what happens, but we don't. Terry Funk's booking on the fly. I'm like, I don't know how much that's a shoot. Yeah, I actually don't <laughs> I know. Either. I know he's not, but I'm just like, eh. It's actually, considering the matches, they they probably fully know what's going to happen tonight. There. They also say there's going to be a special interview with Stevie Ray tonight. Also, a special face-to-face with Buff and DDP, where there's a no-touch policy for five minutes. It's sexy. It's called edging. <laughs> Different person. The one thing Bobby does do here is he, like, super puts over Terry Funk. Like, the one time he's on camera, like, oh, no, he has, like, this nice little diatribe about how tough yeah. he is. 
which like kind of does give some credibility to Terry Funk because they haven't really talked about his history. They haven't talked about who he is necessarily. They just kind of assume that whoever is watching WCW knows who Terry Funk is and what his history is. So I kind of appreciated that yeah. Bobby went off and was like, no, no, no. You need to fucking listen to this guy. He's crazy. Let me tell you all the things he did. He's the toughest motherfucker I know. We then get the NWO arriving. Apparently it's Scott Steiner's birthday. Except birthday. Um, it's not. His birthday's in July. Well, could be his half birthday. No, they just wanted a reason to have him elsewhere. But it could be his half birthday. I think it was it was late July for what it's worth. Ah, shit. But uh, for his birthday, they got him horse. Sexy. But I will I will say this: very excited horse. Yes. Very mm-hmm. on board. Very happy to be there. Steiner's gonna go for round one with two of them, and then we cut away to the old men. And the, this this problem, I don't know whether it was meant to be cut away or what, but it just got a bunch of booze from the crowd. <laughs> It was funny to me. I don't know why this always makes me giggle. It's a porn thing, I think. But like when the man gets to choose like who he wants to sleep with and all the girls are like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. And when they don't get picked, they go, aww. For some reason, that like can't aww just always makes me giggle. <laughs> like it's so fake. In a common occurrence tonight, we see somewhere backstage and they mumble and I didn't make out a word of this. Yeah, sometimes it's not even backstage. Sometimes it's in the ring. We didn't see Rey Mysterio getting stretchered out, like convulsing on the stretcher. Oh my god, yeah, this guy was having a full-on seizure on the stretcher. What? Why? He was crashed through. Oh, sorry, this is when Steiner talks to boobs and leaves to have a threesome. Yeah, so we get the booze as... um, Get the booze and the boobs. As we're getting Rey put in the ambulance. We then get Oklahoma coming out to the ring with a broom and some barbecue sauce. He's basically here to do the Jeff Jarrett WWF gimmick. Literally to the point where he flat out says, woman's place is in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant. Sick of these hoochies here that don't know that their place is in the kitchen. Literally, that, that is what he said. I He does actually use the phrase barefoot and pregnant. He once. sure does. Yeah. And I'm like, are, are Otherwise, you... we have no use for them. That's how he finished that. I, I don't really feel like going back to watch the Jeff Jarrett promos, but I'm like, are you just like copying and pasting? From the end of his WWF run. Maybe. Because he they wrote these promos for him. Maybe. So then he references old sitcoms when talking about like gender roles. It was kind of lost I, on me. I was seeing Red at this point. I was angry and I was just fantasizing about Midnight coming out and killing him. Oklahoma says Medusa needs to learn her role and he wants to show her what will happen at Starcade and issues an open challenge. And I'm like, okay. Midnight, come fucking kill this I'm man. I'm like, there's two, there's two options. Kill this man. Kill this man. Uh, no, it's Asia. Sorry. Fine. I'll take it. She can also kill this man. Have you seen these women's thighs? Oklahoma. Look at yourself in the mirror and then look at these women and tell me that you stand a fucking chance. Oklahoma's surprised and I'm not really sure why. Like, even objectively, if this wasn't wrestling, if these women just found him in an alley and just like shoot, destroyed him, they could probably send him to the hospital. What do you think you're doing? Even Medusa. Medusa could probably take him down too. He has no athletic ability behind him, and he is saying this to these women who have very obvious muscles and core strength and are big and muscular and scary and dominating. What are you fucking thinking? You really think you're that macho that these women are going to bow to you? Have you looked at yourself? You're not, you're not God's gift to creation. You have fucking barbecue sauce strapped to your thigh, man. You're getting worked to a certain degree, but... Yeah, it, I'm sure I'm getting worked, but I'm getting worked up. What does Oklahoma go on to do after this gimmick? 
No, nothing. He's nothing? Just, well, well, he's one of the writers. Does he go on to write anything else? Um, yeah, I think... I. You know, it's funny you ask that. People talk all the time about Russo leaving after this. No one talks about what happens with Ed Ferrara. I just know apparently Eric Bischoff fucking hates him. Good. So after a quick search, it turns out he stays on as a writer, but when Russo comes back, he gets demoted. So Cool. And, and then I think he writes for TNA. Have we talked about if we're going to watch TNA? We got a while to go before I know, that. but I don't know if I want to anymore. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of different eras of TNA to, to watch as well. I feel like we got to go through all of it. We got to go from the beginning, at least. Off, em- off Emily, camera. that company's still going. No, I'm saying we need to start from like the inception of it. Well, there's also there's a precursor to it as well, but we'll talk about that at a much, much later date of how much we, f- we want to do for that. Mm-hmm. If we want to do that. Who knows? Maybe it'll be our spinoff Patreon podcast. Look, we may we may get to the end of this and go, you know what? <laughs> We're not wrestling fans anymore. Much like a lot of people did when WWE closed. Yeah. And or that Sunday when Austin accidentally killed the wrestling business. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, th- there's a match here. It's Asia versus Oklahoma. Oklahoma hits her from behind, but she fires up and, hit, and hits a scoop slam. Medusa comes out in a blue wig for some reason. A blue bob wig. And Oklahoma hits Asia with barbecue sauce. <laughs> Just the f- I, I got a little hung up on this wig. It looked it was an odd choice. It, I think we need to just talk about Medusa's vibe as a whole. So what you're saying is Who's that Pokemon? So Emily, That's a good transition. <laughs> Emily, who is that Pokemon? Well, well, we agreed on the evolution. I can't remember what we landed on. I said Quaquavel because it's obvious. I know we've already used it, but... We agreed on Quaxwell, which Quaxwell. is the one before that because it actually is a lot more blue and white. So Medusa comes out in a white jumpsuit-esque thing with like her tits out and this giant blue boa going down her arms across her chest yeah. with a matching shade of blue bob wig. And bob meaning like the short haircut look. It was so jarring. Yeah. That we both just had to stop. We're like, what the fuck is that? Um, I did I did write in two honorable Quack mentions. Uh, Swana, just to, to do a different yeah. evolution line. And uh, Ramona Flowers. God. Oklahoma sees Medusa, bails into the ring. Medusa gets in, gets stomped, and then he hits her with a broom really lightly. And it, like, knocks her out. Yeah. He poses with the belt and then takes it. And that's that again. Um... <laughs> You know, my note for this segment could also be my note for uh, what they do on Thunder, which is fucking Christ. Because on Thunder, <laughs> they do an evening gown match with these two. Oh, yeah. That's where he has the barbecue sauce taped to his thigh. Yes. But he can't fucking get it off. I think he, I think that was planned. I think it was, too, based on the fetish shot that we got at the end of oh, that. Oh, God. Yeah. After he loses. Yeah. Me- so Medusa gets the, the evening gown off of him first. Oh, yes. He he, yeah. He, but he is in an evening gown. Oh yeah, and it's branded. It has like okay on the on the lapel or not the lapel. The women's equivalent of the lapel. I don't know what you call that. On the breast. The breast this is But yeah, he strips Medusa after he loses and like dumps a bunch of barbecue sauce on her inner bra and Yeah, I'm straight like, down her cleavage. I'm like, oh, this is somebody somebody's getting off to this and I don't I don't want to know the person. No. But that definitely showed up on porn sites at some point. Yeah. That's icky. And also, imagine the mess. Imagine the cleanup of that. You're going to smell like barbecue for the rest of the night. Well, she does a promo after that on Thunder. And like Gene's just looking at her. And I'm like, 
She's like, I could offer you my coat. <laughs> Gentleman Jean, as he stared. He's offering his coat to her boobs. Yeah. I think of the old men heading to the ring and the NWO check on Scott Steiner. And I'm like, is this how they're going to get around him not being cleared? But they do actually say he's not cleared later. So yeah. it seemed unnecessary to do both. This is just what he's doing tonight. He's just having his pick of the ladies. We then get the old men coming out. They will get a name during this segment. Funk says Nash will have to do more than that to take him out last week in, in terms of powerbombing him through the stage on Thunder. Mm. And if the NWO wants more, then they've got more. Funk says he rehired his buddies, referring to the men he came out with, mm-hmm. and calls them the old age outlaws. I like that. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it's pretty, like, used at this point. The new age outlaws, the old age outlaws. Like, there's a lot of outlaws. We already have Buzzkill ripping off Road Dog. We don't need a blank age outlaws as well. Why not? It works so well in WWF. Why not? Sorry, are you talking about that or Vince Russo? Yes. <laughs> Funk does say they're still young enough to kick the NWO's ass. Arn threatens them, promises guerrilla warfare, and uh, I'm like, oh God, I hope he doesn't have the Glock. <laughs> no, this is still the era of the tire Arn. He hasn't found firearms yet. Larry says the NWO is looking at tradition and legends never die. He, his is kind of the most forgettable one. Of, oh, yeah. Oh, actually, I, I lied because Paul Orndorff acknowledges the crowd and then the power plant guys in the front row. And Are we ever going to do anything with those guys? I don't think so. Then why the fuck do we keep cutting to them? Like, the old age outlaws kind of kill the crowd here. Yeah. I mean, this already wasn't that hot of a crowd. Yeah. NWO come out, Steiner comes out with all of the women from earlier. It's absurd how many they are. But they're very excited for their turn with with Scott Steiner. I feel like you could have done like four and gotten the point across. Oh, for sure. And everybody probably would have had a better time. Jeff Jarrett's in a Titans jersey for some like recent local heat. <laughs> like, it meant nothing to me in... Apparently the Titans beat the Bills recently. Yeah. Cool. And then not meant for heel heat, Kevin Nash is just wearing a Diamondbacks hat. What team is the Diamondbacks? Uh, Arizona baseball team. Oh, okay. Oh. Buffalo doesn't have a baseball team. Okay. I'm like, okay, you, you just you just wear that hat. And it's not, you're you're you just know. a fan. Makes a, makes a crack about the old age outlaws getting their early bird dinner. It's like, oh, it's good the show's on at eight. It's like, yeah, I want to eat dinner before eight. <laughs> Have dinner, then come to work. That sounds like a great night. He insults Funk, so Funk says he makes the matches, and tonight he books Jeff Jarrett in three different matches. Jarrett's booked in the same three matches tonight as he is Sunday, but instead of Chris Benoit, it's going to be three of Terry Funk's friends. And well, I guess it's not the match he's going to do Sunday, but the matches he has tonight are um, a wrestling match, as they call it. Yeah. I think the Benoit match, it was going to be a Dungeon Rules match, so... Yeah, I think they just misspoke here in hindsight. Yeah. Anyway, so it's a wrestling a bu- match. A bunkhouse brawl, which I'm realizing we haven't seen Dustin Rhodes since... No. Yeah. And then a cage match, which is a different cage match than their plan for Sunday. They specified that this cage is not the same cage, so it's a special, different cage, which makes me think that... You remember a couple weeks ago when they pitched this triple threat theater match? And I said it might be a, te- a toothed cage, or they, they're like... It's just like caged heat or something. Caged like, heat. But I, I heard caged teeth, so maybe it is like on fire or has spikes, and it doesn't matter. We don't get to see it, but maybe that's the way we were going with it. Because they did make a special note to say, this is not the cage you will see. Yes. 
I, I think they only said the original stipulation once, so they're, yeah. trying, to, they're trying to figure it out. Kind of like when, when they booked a House of Horrors match with Bray Wyatt, and mm-hmm. they're like, what's it going to be? Mm-hmm. Nope. We'll figure it out. Could be anything. You tell me. Jericho faced three of Funk's friends who are not Larry, Paul, and Arn. And it see, that sounded weird to call them by their first names. <laughs> oh, you know, my buddy Larry. <laughs> well, Joe Jarrett's disappointed because he does say before he hears that that he hopes that the wrestling match is against Larry because he wants to stretch Larry's ass. Which, what you trying to, what you trying to say, yeah. Jeffrey? He's gonna slap some nuts. You have a very uh, interesting fascination with nuts and assholes. Listen, I'm not implying anything. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you DDP on Thunder? No, there's anything wrong with that. Fungal says there's going to be a special guest referee for these matches, Chris Benoit. Brett finally gets a line in in this promo because he had just been silent before that. And I'm like, that's probably not good for your world champion. Yeah, well. He gets booked tonight in a title match against Kevin Nash. And they're like, oh, man, I can't fight against him. He's like my brother. If they don't fight against each other, they're both suspended for a year without pay. And they both immediately take the year. And and, and Brett will be stripped of the title. They're both fine with this. So Terry Funk has to be like, Brett, you're going to be stripped of the title. And then this yeah. like isn't resolved in this promo. Yeah, but both of them are immediately like, yeah, I got money. I'll take the year off. Yeah. Make it real. Yeah. I mean, I kind of probably would too. St- Scott Snyder calls Terry Funk a son of a bitch and then it's just bleeped for about a full minute. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know what he said, but it was part of the story because Funk notes Steiner isn't cleared to wrestle and then says by the end of the night, he's going to wash Steiner's mouth out with soap. So we have four matches now for the rest of the night as well as anything else they're going to be doing. Yeah, we're done with the whole tournament thing. So how are we feeling these uh, two hours? You know, guys, you could have wrestlers just wrestle once in a night. You don't have nah. to have them do do three times. Nah. We then get Buff Bagwell and DDP headed towards the ring. And something was miscommunicated here because there's some weird camera movements before and after seeing these guys come out of like a stop camera, then swinging, and then it cuts away and cuts back. And like they're like not ready for something yet. Yeah. And then on top of that, Arn goes to a limo and, and it's like, oh, I was expecting some, somebody else. And back in commercial, we see, oh, it's Kimberly. And we go from Kimberly walking to a very sudden video package with no warning. Mm-hmm. And get Mean Gene in the ring to set the stage for the face-to-face between DDP and Buff Bagwell. Gene fucks up a little bit here. Oh, yes, he does. He is the stuff. He is Diamond Dallas Page. Like, that's not correct. Buff Bagwell is here, which is very fortunate because apparently he was uh, far too injured to work the house shows. Oh, really? Yeah, according to him. Mm, interesting. Interesting, interesting. DDP asked Gene to step out so they can handle this man-to-man, and then the timer starts. Because we were convinced this was not going to be five minutes, but they actually put a timer on the screen. Yeah, they they timed themselves. Buff says Thunder pissed him off and tries to rile up DDP and says he's just friends with Kimberly, and he's a great listener. Now, this just kind of like struck me as like nice guy energy, where yeah. the girl wants to just be friends with the guy. Kimberly, like, can I get a hug? He's so great. Like, he just listens to me. He just gets me. And then he tries to sleep with you. And then on top of uh, all that, Buff says that DDP has a small dick. Yeah, what? <laughs> DDP has a, has a direct accusation, and Buff just says, like, don't go there. Like, so does he think he has a small dick? No, I'm saying about the, the like, sleeping together. Basically, like, did you bang my wife? Don't go there. <laughs> That's the whole point of why we're out here. And then uh, DDP is like, nah, you were feeding her drinks. I know. It's like, oh. That's a different implication, yeah. sir. We oh. see Kimberly looking on backstage and they're like, she's distraught. Oh my God. 
Yeah, they were talking about how torn apart Kimberly was watching these two men fight about her. Because they're not fighting over her. They're just fighting about her. She's just watching the television. You don't even, like, see a shot of her face looking distraught or any kind of upset. You just, like, see her sitting in front of the television screen. She's not distraught. She's just sitting. So they go back and forth a little bit. We had different feelings on this. I th- I thought it got messy. And, like, it felt like they were killing time until I got to five minutes. You were more into this. Oh, I was very into this. This screamed reality TV drama. This felt very authentic in a scripted way. Does that make any sense what I just said? Yes. You understand what I mean, though? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, I think you even kind of said it. It's They got talking points and they were told, go with it. So but it I'm, felt like they were improvising, but over a fake story. So it had that sense of realness to it, but it was fake. But it was so dramatic and it was like, I... I felt for both of them. I was on both of their sides at different times. I thought it was fantastic. It was the best drama I've seen in a long time from WCW. Or wrestling, really. Well, I was confused about one thing. If this was like reality TV, then why didn't it like say it was going to air at 8 o'clock? And then suddenly, like, like oh, look, 15 minutes tops, we swear. And then some people get to watch and some people don't. And I'm referencing the Love is Blind uh, reunion if, if you're unaware of the joke I'm making. Because we're recording it, recording it the day after. Emily has still not watched it yet. I sat on that loading screen for an hour. An hour. And I still didn't get to watch it. And I got to watch other people watch it on TikTok. And nobody else got to watch it. And then I was like, oh, well, they'll just show, they'll, they'll put it on Netflix when it's done. No, you have to wait till three the next fucking day. Other people got to watch it live. And I didn't, even though I got to stare at the screen for an hour. And you're going to up my rates, Netflix. I don't want to watch the reunion anymore. I'm now flashing back to you not being all that upset about the, um, the Goldberg DDP match at Halloween Havoc. <laughs> like, oh, like the feed cut off. And I'm like, oh, this is what it was like for people. Anyway, we're in a segment here. Um, the line that sets... Why did you bring that up? I'm so angry. <laughs> the line that sets DDP off is uh, Buff says that he's seen Kimberly's secret birthmark. But so has everybody else. Oh, the whole locker room seen that birthmark. And then right at that moment, it becomes five minutes. And yeah. then they go, well, bam. DDP punches Buff and Buff hits DDP with the baton. <laughs> and um, cool myself off. Yeah, that's pretty much the segment. This was a strange one. It was some. I really they, liked they were this. trying something different. I'll give them credit for that. I really liked it. I think yeah. this was the right two people to try something different with. I think that other wrestlers, this could have gotten hokey. I think DDP is incredibly talented. I think he's what kept this together. Once again, it's like he he's really coming off more like the face here, especially in a. 2023 lens when it's like yeah you were feeding her drinks until she made a mistake that's my wife dude what the fuck are you doing don't yeah. take advantage of my wife yeah ddp's the heat the face in my book yeah and then on thunder kimberly has an interview with me gene and doesn't say much anything although the one thing she does say is like when we bang it's like amazing we've cool. never we've never had issues in that department oh cool I'm happy you have a healthy sex life, Kimberly. I'm proud of you. To go backstage, get the NWO mumbling. Brett says he can beat Nash and doesn't want Nash to lie down. And like, no, I can beat you. I can beat you. And just, This is a piss contest. Backstage, someone arrives. We don't see whom, but Arn is there to greet them. And we go to Jeff Jarrett versus our first mystery opponent with Chris Benoit as the referee. Jarrett comes out with a bin full of weapons. Apparently, this is the Bunkhouse Brawl match. Yeah, so we're not doing it in the order that they were announced. Cool, thanks. Again, a title card. Would have been amazing. 
The Old Age Outlaws come out to announce who Jeff Jarrett's facing. And Emily, who is it? George the Animal Steel? Yes. I don't know who this is. I, I'm aware. And I'm just like, I wanted to leave it that way. Because I'm just like, will this they is... explain who so this is let me to describe this man to you as someone who has absolutely zero background. By the way, I'm not going to have much more info for you either. This is a middle-aged man, a, like a middle-aged overweight man covered in body hair who looks a little deranged, like not correct in the head. Eyes are shifty, but specifically his tongue does not enter his mouth at any point. And his tongue is bright green. Emily, until you reference the tongue, you also could have been describing Ralphus. This man was shirtless. <laughs> and significantly hairier than Ralphus. Yes. He's just an old school legend of wrestling. Um, Why the green tongue? Do you have any background it's, on that? It's just an old gimmick thing. What? And his other thing is that he eats turnbuckles. That's the... Yes, and he eats turnbuckles. But I was like, I don't know who I expected. They're like, George the Animal Steel. I'm like, what? Yeah, you were hyped for this in a, in a way. I, I don't know. How, wasn't it I was hyped? I was just like... Of all the random people to bring in, this was a choice. It was confused excitement on your part. It was more bewilderment than than anything. Fair. I think the most recent like national thing he would have done was been in Heroes of Wrestling. Oh, which is a classic. Yeah. From Biloxi, Mississippi. What a place. Gotta love that casino magic. Oh, I should have looked for my socks. Oh, the famed socks. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Steel throws all the weapons in. He hits some weapon shots on Jeff Jarrett, who's like trying to get in the ring, but gets on the apron and gets hit. Steele then eats the turnbuckle. Jarrett goes to bail, but the old age outlaws walk him back. And George Steele is so busy eating the turnbuckle that Jarrett's like tap him on the shoulder, hit him with the guitar. Arn Engine hits a spine buster on Jeff Jarrett. We get a quick count for George Steele getting the pin and he wins. Would you believe it? Chris Benoit is not a fair referee. <laughs> This was all about the pop of getting of getting the legend, legend and yeah. the crowd wasn't even that hot for it. Because who the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> Which, get used to that vibe. Like, oh, this is supposed to be cool, but I don't know who you are. That vibe? Yeah. Yikes. Backstage, Scott Steiner is still having sex. More sex time with the genetic freak. Nash and Jeff Jarrett talk about the main event and then they just cut away to the old age outlaws who mumble. They do that a lot. They get Mean Gene in the ring, brings out Stevie Ray for his special interview. Stevie takes the mic and insults the whole broadcast team, including Gene. Great way to start it off. Talks about the history of Harlem Heat. Says seven years ago they came to WCW and no one wanted them here. Says Booker T turned his back on him and the neighborhood. He then talks about Booker T wearing Johnny Carson suits and Bruno Magley shoes. And This was lost on me. One, this apparently means he's not from the hood anymore. Johnny Carson suits? Well... I didn't get the reference for the Bruno Magli shoes. Yeah. So I had to look this up. And apparently these th these were a hot topic for a little bit because of um, their appearance on television. Okay. However, the appearance on television was the O.J. Simpson court case. Oh. Apparently the killer was wearing Bruno Magli shoes. Okay. Because, yeah, CBS lied. And we all know what happened to the last guy who wore those. And I'm like... That's why they got the asshole Oh, it chance. immediately prompted it. And I was like... Interesting. Yeah, I'm like, what What happened? I looked at like, oh, he's basically calling his brother OJ. Do you ever wish that we were... No. Oh, come on. No. No, alive and, like, cognizant to be, like, paying oh, attention saying, to that I trial. Saying, I'm, 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 I'm saying, like, it happening now. I'm like... No, I want to have been, like, this age in 94, 95... 
so that we could watch this. It's such a moment. I don't. I wish. I wish. Stevie says he's a challenge for sold out, which prompts Booker and Midnight to come out. Booker doesn't want to fight Stevie. They're basically doing the uh, Ray and Dominic Mysterio story. Oh my god! But they do the uh, speed run version mm. because Booker says Stevie's on his own and he doesn't want to fight him. So uh, Stevie slaps him. So like, no, you fucking will fight me. And then Booker accepts. But he does say in a line that could go either way. He says, this shit won't be fixed. Which I'm like, are you implying that you're going to have a shoot fight and all the wrestling's fake? Are you implying that, like, we're going to fight each other, but we're, we still have issues? Like, it, like that's not going to solve them. I read it as the latter. It could have gone either way. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm going to choose to read them as the latter as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's the segment. And I, I enjoyed this promo. I really had a hard time grasping what Stevie Ray was saying. I was having a hard time understanding him. And then he made the reference that I didn't understand. So this kind of was lost on me. I don't know. I don't think Stevie Ray is a good promo as it is. No, but I thought he showed decent emotion. Yeah. Got his point across. And, you know, it's a it's a build that kind of makes sense. So I th- it earned some points for me. Sure. It didn't do it for me, but I'll give him that. Then they go backstage. Jeff Jarrett talks to Bret Hart. And doesn't say much a note. Then we get someone else arriving, and we're going to get Jeff Jarrett versus them. Except this time we get Terry Funk announcing him before Jeff Jarrett comes out. His next opponent is Tito Santana. Who I also don't really know. Yeah. Commentary does not hold your hand through any of this. No. If I am not a long-term old-school wrestling fan, I don't know anything that's happening tonight. The closest you get is Terry Funk's, like, he's a former Intercontinental Champion, a former Tag Team Champion. Yeah, they actually, Terry Funk literally says he's a former WWF Intercontinental Champion. He actually says WWF, which I think, I feel like is a rarity on WCW TV. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. But still, that doesn't really help. It doesn't give me an era. It doesn't give me, like, who he I had is to tell you, as a I had to tell worker. you, like, oh, we saw him on WrestleMania 1. Yeah, but even then, I fucking hated WrestleMania 1. <laughs> it didn't stick in my brain. So Jarrett comes out, pushes a member of the Buffalo Bills in the crowd, and then somehow manages to blindside Tito Santana, who came out first. Yeah, I didn't follow that. <laughs> it's like, man, you really have lost a step. Uh, commentary notes, if you go to the floor, you lose, as this is a dungeon match. Can you give me the rules of a dungeon match no. again? No? no you don't it, know them? It, that's, it's not a common match type. From what I can gather here, it's you win by pinfall submission or your opponent leaving the ring. Okay. It does seem shitty that you can just like throw your opponent from the ring and then like, oh, you win. That's how you win the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Are you saying the Royal Rumble is shitty? And I mentioned before that like, oh, I guess Tito has lost step. Watching him wrestle, I'm like, yeah, he wrestles like somebody who hasn't it been active lame. in a while. Let me get Benoit just punching Jarrett. Jared hits the stroke on Tito. Then uh, the member of the Buffalo Bills gets on the apron. So Paul Orndorf comes in. He hits a pile driver. And Tito Santana gets the pin. Cool. Honestly. This one was pretty lame. Honestly, these matches are kind of putting over Jeff Jarrett. Which, maybe that's kind of the design. But it's like, yeah, every one of these, they need six people to beat Jeff Jarrett. Which, like, I don't understand. Jeff Jarrett's not that good. He's fine. I don't know. Commentary announces Thunder is now on Wednesdays, and uh, we get Tank Abbott coming out to the ring for a train wreck. For a train wreck, indeed. My God. We see a Thunder of t- of him punching Doug Dillinger, and then he has a promo. Tank Abbott should not have promos. No. He is not a talker. He remembers his lines, but he, does. he delivers them like an eight-year-old in a school play. Exactly. And... He calls Jerry Flynn Huckleberry Finn, and I'm like, 
close to a joke. You should have just said Huckleberry Flynn. Yeah. Come on. It was right there. I know. I'm like. It's so easy. Also, like, Jerry Flynn's not, like, notably Southern. I didn't know he was Southern. I, I, I don't even know that he is. Yeah. That, that's a dumb joke, man. Yeah. And then I wrote, oh, he can't talk. Oh, God. He calls out Doug Dillinger. Doug comes out. He hits Tank and somehow is pulled to the ground, like, a split second after the punch. Tank is then handcuffed. Jerry Flynn comes out and kicks Tank, who I think is supposed to act knocked out, but then just gets back up. Because, hmm. like, his hands are bound. He gets a full roundhouse kick to the face. Like, the whole thing is that they're knocking each other out, and he's yeah. just like, no, I'm not. So I also noted at this point, because you know how I used to love to do this. I noted at this point the runtime of the show, because I wanted to see how much time we had left to see, like, I, I tend to base my faith on the rest of the show based on how much time we have left there is at this time at the start of tank talking roughly 20 minutes left yeah we are not done yet no we still have two matches but uh-huh. i was say are you excited for tank versus jerry flynn is that a match that they set up oh yeah for the pay-per-view i thought this was all about tank versus doug dillinger well it's both <laughs> i have a theory on the, on that feud that i don't think will ever be confirmed hmm the head of security in WWF, uh, around this time, for a good while, a guy named Jim Dotson. He was ripped. He the, the, he looked like a wrestler, but he wasn't, and he didn't want to be. Okay. And Russo tried to get him to wrestle and had to do like a whole story. I think it was like Steve Blackman, I want to say. Mm. Maybe Dan Severn. Somebody. They, we, they wanted to do an angle with him. And Jim Dotson was like, no, I don't want to be a wrestler. I don't want to do this. And I'm like... Are you doing this Doug Dillinger thing because you had this great story in your head and you want to tell it? And uh, you're like, oh, well, Doug Dillinger's game. <laughs> Maybe. So we'll we'll see. We will talk more about Tank Abbott in a little bit. We then get the third competitor for the Jarrett sweepstakes coming in. And, um, <laughs> oh, God, it's Jimmy Snuka. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. This was a woofer. Yeah, this was. Because this is the only one they actually, like, show before he comes out. And they're like, get hype. It's the murderer. The murderer in a match refereed by the murderer. Cool. Before we get to that match, we see two things of Nash and Brad are just still getting ready for their match. And backstage, Chris Benoit has been taken out by somebody. Yeah, he's just, like, out cold on the By the way, it's exactly who you think. Yeah, and they don't even, like, really try to hide it. He says it. Our second and last match is Jeff Jarrett versus Jimmy Snuka in a cage match. By the way, the reason for doing, I, I assume, Snuka in the cage match, there is a prison joke to be made here. But mm-hmm. um, he's like his most famous moment is in Madison Square Garden doing a splash off the cage. Oh, this is a callback. Yes. Okay. But also, you know, lock him up. Nothing is original. Jarrett comes out with a mic and also a Titans headband now for some reason. Oh, he's just doubling down. He heals on the crowd and says he took out Benoit. Cool. Yeah, we don't even get to like sit on the who could have done this. Snooker comes out. Jarrett throws Snooker around the cage until Benoit just comes out. Jarrett stops Benoit from coming into the cage until he just decides to stop. Yeah, Benoit finally comes in once Jarrett is like wrapped up with Snooker. He just turns his back to him. It's like, yeah. yeah. Benoit gets in, throws Jarrett into the cage, hits a snap suplex. He signals for a diving headbutt, but gets stopped in a, the taunt that you really don't like. The, the like, throat slash one. Yeah. I get it. It looks cool, but because of who it is. That's why I don't like it. And then 
I know it's a screwy ref, uh, but twofold here. Jarrett leaves the cage. He he wins. Oh. No. Also, he left the cage. Leave. No. <laughs> You're good, man. Get out I of there. I didn't think about that. Yeah, no. That's not how it works, man. Yeah, he grabs the guitar, comes back in. Larry and Paul come in, attack Jarrett. Larry slams Jeff Jarrett. And then Jimmy Snuka hits a top of the cage diving splash. Like the one highlight they'll... Actually, I guess they won't show anymore. But, uh, but it's not just that he goes to the top of the cage. He goes up to the top. And then on the alternate corner, Benoit goes to the top of the cage. And they like make eye contact. They look at each other. They point and they're like, this is our moment. This is going to be shown for years. And Benoit hits a diving headbutt from the top of the cage. There's a lot of cursed things to be said here. So this is the this is a cursed this, ass like, match. Yeah, th- this like we've talked about having to kind of manage our thoughts and feelings with Benoit matches, and maybe it was just the presence of Snuka, but or maybe it's the fact that he's leaving. But this was one of the moments where I'm like, yeah, no, I I I struggle with it more than usual. Mm-hmm. This one was hard to watch. It's been made known in this day and age that both of these men have suffered from mental illness issues based on concussions and head trauma and CTE in some cases. So watching this for both of them to do it one after the other, it's really hard. Well, additionally, I don't see where. Apparently, the Jimmy Sokka splash gives Jeff Jarrett a concussion. Really? That's why Jarrett's out on Sunday. He oh. wrestles on thunder. That's the we- other weird thing. Because he does, he sits up when Jimmy jumps, like a little May- bit. Man, yeah, maybe. So maybe it's just the pressure of the collision, kind of like jolts but, him a little. Yeah, Jared has concussion. He's gonna miss a couple, at least wrestling wise, miss a couple weeks. Damn. So yeah, that's that's why that doesn't happen. WCW has a bad concussion problem. And then I have a um, I have a short list of people who apparently said no to um, appearing on this show. Oh. King Kong Bundy. Okay. The Honky Tonk Man. <gasps> the Honky Tonky Man. Bob Backlund. Mm, I'm and, surprised he said no. And Nick Bockwinkle. No idea. Yeah. But yeah, that ends the, the Jarrett Gauntlet of the Legends. Um, yeah, none of them really uh, cool. none of them really had it anymore. Uh-uh. And so. their, their appearance was supposed to be a lot more than it was. It didn't do it for me. Though, I guess Snooker has it more here than he does in nine years when they have him wrestle at WrestleMania. He's real Yikes. bad then. Well, Yikes. Yeah. Backstage, Steiner is still banging. And let's go to our main event. It's Bret Hart versus Kevin Nash for the WCW title. So we start that, and then we see backstage, Steiner is now tied up, and Terry Funk shoves like an entire bar of soap in his mouth. See, I think they forgot that they said they were going to do this at the beginning of the show. I think that this was like, fuck, we said we were going to clean his mouth out with soap. Quick, do it now. That's how it came off no, to me. I it think... was a very quick cutaway. Like, no, ah, right, soap, fuck. This whole thing just seems set up for that. I don't know. But I don't know. Brett is wearing jorts and a tank top, reminiscent of his match in, uh, in 10 years from now. Jorts. Nash has his game face on and like he wants to win. Commentary's noted in this and starts attacking Brett. Brett works over the legs of Nash in the corners, and these two are like actually going at each other, like showing some good intensity. I never hear anything about this match. People talk about the the Terry Funk Bret Hart hardcore match. Yeah, I had a lot of questions as this match continued yep. because I expected this to be a very 
light hitting, gentle, just like you go in the corner once and then I go in the corner once and then interference and match over. That's the way people like mention this match in passing, but this is actually not a bad it's match. It's not a bad match. And it's a it's a real ass match. It is weird knowing it's Brett's last match. Knowing he has no knowledge of it. It's, yeah. it, it's kind of like go, when for a little while when you went back and watched Edge's match at WrestleMania 27, which is like, oh yeah, it's his last match. He doesn't know it. He doesn't it. know it. I mean, I see this as going out on a high note. Like, this is a pretty good mm-hmm. match. He could have... This could have been a shit WCW match. He at least got a real match out mm-hmm. of it. Brett gets Nash's legs in the ropes for over a five count, but Charles Robinson does not call for the DQ. Screwy riff. Nash then goes for his rope attack, but is still selling the leg, and we get a Russian leg sweep to Nash. Commentary actually notes that Jeff Jarrett has has a concussion. That's why he's not coming out. Yes. Which, that's kayfabe. Oh. That's the weirdest thing. That is weird. Well... They also get weird with kayfabe on Thunder. I don't remember what they said about him on Thunder. Not about him, about, about Brett. Oh. We get a low blow from Nash right in front of the ref. DQ. Screwy ref. We've already established this is a screwy ref. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna think to call DQ on that one. Nash hits Snake Eyes, but Brett kicks out and hits a low blow. Not not a DQ. Screwy ref. Brett's rope elbow misses. Nash punches Brett a bunch, but Brett fights back and keeps going after the leg. We get a sidewalk slam to Brett. Nash rolls out of the ring to grab a chair. And then the ref's like, no, you can't use that. Arn suddenly shows up, hits Nash across the back with a, quote, steel pipe. Honestly, I'm convinced this is one of those, like, um, wrapping paper, like, tubes. Oh, probably. Like the cardboard tube? Yeah. Probably. Sid runs out without a neck brace. He healed. Magic! Miracle! Uh, I mean, hopefully he heals from, like, all injuries that quick and... You know, no matter how debilitating they are. What are you referring to, Nick? I don't know. <laughs> you... Something that might be a, a sinful injury? By the way, mini tangent here, because we talked about it in the car the other day. Because of the whole Chris Benoit, Jimmy Snooker thing, we were like, yeah, it is kind of weird that um, his name is Sid Vicious. Oh, because of the Sid and Nancy thing? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then I drew all of my big brother parallels and then turned yeah. the whole, that's a whole tangent. Yeah. Big Brother would never uh, say we're going on at eight and then not go on until the they next day. They did, though. Do you remember the <laughs> golf tournament? Yeah. So Sid runs out, no neck brace, kicks the chair into Hart's face. The cage suddenly lowers and Sid hits a choke slam. Sid then power bombs Brett and Arn counts a pin. So Sid was just legal in this match, I guess. Sure. Well, he's not the new champion, so I think that was just meant to be a symbolic thing. Just like end the match. This is over. Yeah, Maybe. or just like, hey, on Sunday, like, because R&E is meant to be the ref for Sunday, so I think that's oh. meant to be like a, yeah, this is this is your preview. Oh, okay. Well. Terry Funk comes out with a branding iron on fire. In it bra- was like fully en- engulfed in flame. Yeah. He brands Nash's stomach, who has his gear to protect him. Yeah, and then the brand never actually like, gets flushed with his skin, so he didn't get branded, but yeah. it looks like that was the intent, and that's enough. This actually wasn't a bad match. This was entertaining. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed this match. On Thunder, they will um, they do an angle of Brett coming out being like, "Oh guys, I've I've really been a jerk. Don't I know it? I I'm leaving the NWO." Oh yeah. And then the NWO is like, "We're gonna end your career." And I'm like, "Oh." So, but Swerve, he never actually left the NWO. Yeah, he he had makeup done to make it look like he got beat up. 
which didn't really run when they threw the water. Yeah, no, they were going for something that uh, did not happen. You got to get mascara for that. But, Eyeshadow does not run like that. But just like that, no more Bret Hart matches. Bizarre. We'll talk about him more in full and his whole situation at the start of the next episode. But uh, he we will have not. a lot of people to talk about. Yeah, he will not wrestle a match for 10 years. Woof. And even then, calling that a match is generous. It's Yeah. It's as much of a slog as you remember it if you've seen it. It's it's hard because I'm sure he only really came back because he was like low on money or it was, I, don't know. I think it was like wanting a closure thing in his Maybe life. Maybe closure, yeah. sure. Cuz Bret Hart isn't somebody who has been like a big spender and like notably. No, like, but if he knew that he was going to be retiring, maybe he would have saved more and maybe he like ran through his savings a little more quickly than he anticipated. You never know. For what it's worth, he's not going to be fully gone from our screens, but he does not wrestle a match until WrestleMania 26. Jeez. And then he'll somehow win the U.S. championship from The Miz while not being able to take a bump. But, uh... Yeah, well... (laughs) (laughs) But more on Brett next episode, but... Just like that, Vince Russo is gone. For now. I I have conflicting feelings. So here's the thing. When we started the Vince Russo era, you told me there was going to be a lot more... I was expecting a lot more hokiness. I was expecting it to feel a lot more cartoonish. I feel like the I've been waiting for that shoe to drop since we started his era. And I don't feel like it ever truly did. Hmm. It's just been bad. It hasn't been like ridiculousness bad like there have been a couple of on a pole matches that didn't need to be on a pole like the fucking pinata on a pole oh there was on a pole match on thunder champagne on a pole of course but they didn't feel overdone it didn't feel like everything's on a pole i want i want everything to be like you 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 said that russo gimmicked everything i wanted to see more of that it didn't feel as much like that i mean there's always round two i know a lot of a lot of the bollocks is going to be uh during that yeah I really fear what's to come, though. In the next three months, I mean. So on the Friday before sold out, he had two options. It was be on a committee with J.J. Dillon, Terry Taylor, Kevin Nash, and Kevin Sullivan. Remember that last one. Or go home. And he opted, no. Uh, I, I was t- I was told you were going to give me X amount of months to turn, th- turn things around. And I guess Ed Ferreira is also on there, but no one ever mentions mm. that. And the reason this happened among awful television ratings and everything else, Brett vacates the title at some point after Thunder. Yeah. Vince Russo had a great idea. We're going to do a battle royal to crown the new WWE champion. Okay. I'm going to give you three guesses to pick who, who he was going to have win this. I feel like the obvious answer would be Kevin Nash. Funny you say that. Kevin Nash was pitched to win the title at one point through all of this. And... Considering he just got booking power, he's like, that's going to look really bad and piss a lot of people off. So, not Kevin Nash. Bring back Hogan. Hogan also said no. Said no. Said no. Now, Emily, I want to remind you, the person he picked was such a bad choice that it basically got him fired. Disco Inferno. I think that might even be a better choice. Really? Tank Abbott. Oh. That that was his, his big plan. Have Tank Abbott win the WCW title. Is that title. why they had him cut a promo to try to like get him over with the crowd no. more to like build him up? Maybe no, because they don't know Brett's gonna oh, re- right. retire. No, that they saw that promo and went, "Oh, that's our guy." Does Does Vince owe him money or something? Did that was Vince the big, sleep with his wife. That was the big plan, and Bill Bush went, 
fucking what? You, you need someone else in the room with you. You don't get it. Yeah. So. Yikes. I, it's funny. The first time we saw him, I told you Tank Abbott was going to be important. And here we are. Wow. I'm so excited to read the Vince Russo ring drama. <laughs> are you looking at it? I know it's on that shot. I touched it today. I don't know where it is. So we won't see Vince Russo for quite a or for a little over three months, and hmm. the show is going to do a hard reset when that happens. Do you think it's going to do a hard reset in these three months? A bit, because so, I feel like at this era, at this day and age, I think that the nail in the coffin for any corporation like this that's really floundering to stay afloat is constantly making changes like re- resets they're like oh we're gonna rebrand ourselves we're a totally new wcw and then they keep doing it and they keep doing it and that's where you lose people and that's where you lose your viewership your sponsorship that's how it dies like i work in events and that's kind of the same thing like the more changes you make to an event the more likely it is to just fall apart emily i have to tell you now his first Nitro back is literally called Reboot Nitro. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, yeah. man. They literally do a reboot. I know what I'm talking about. Ugh. So, any final thoughts on the show? Russo, Russo Nitro's round one? Russo Nitro's round one, disappointing for what I was expecting. He literally cut the buy rates in half. I He didn't yeah. do enough to make it hokey. Disappointing for what I was expecting. I wanted more. It's like you wanted more Cocaine Bear and Cocaine Bear. I wanted more Cocaine Bear and Vince Russo WCW. (laughs) But the show, I think, was a better Nitro than last week. I mean, that's a very low bar, but it was a better show. Vince Russo has always been one that's like, no, there's going to be stories throughout the whole card. Like, say what you will about matches not being matches, but I can't remember the last time we had a match that was like... Oh, we're going to do Wrath versus Disco Inferno for no reason just to kill, you know, yeah. six men. Like, all the, the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea has been gone for a long time. And he really was that filler of like, ah, fuck it. Put him on screen and wrestle someone. Oh. Um, Fill time. Brian Nobbs won the hardcore title on Brian Thunder. Brian Nobbs. Oh, he was. Wow. Which, I guess before we go into best bit and all that, hey, apparently there was a thing cut from Nitro. I don't really understand how. Humans on Thunder, they're like, yeah. hey, there was going to be a hardcore match on Nitro between Finley and Brian Nobbs, but it was so vicious we couldn't show you. I'm like, you have a live show. Yeah, you had plenty of time. Yeah, I, I think something ran long or I'm guessing that was a pre-tape. And uh, I don't think it was ever anticipated to actually go on Nitro. I think that's I think that's bullshit, yeah. or, if I'm honest. Or they did a pre-tape and they went, this, this is not really slow and bad. Let's chop it up and we'll show it on Thunder. Yeah. But with all that, and before we go to sold out, let's go to best bit, worst bit, MVP. Emily, what's your best bit? I'm giving it to the DDP Buff Bagwell promo. Okay. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I thought that was a lot of fun. It was different. It was cool. And fuck, man, like, it got me. I was in there. On the flip side, I'll give you the Steve Ray and Booker T promo segment. So, we we each didn't really uh, didn't really enjoy the other one's best bit, but no. we enjoyed the one we picked. I know that we are not going to have the same worst bit. What is your worst bit? The Oklahoma promo. Understandable. I was heated. I I went for uh, Jimmy Snook and Chris Benoit just being together. Together, yeah. I just it yeah. it took me out like nothing has in quite a while. That's kind of how I was with the um. The Oklahoma promo, like I, I know that it was a work, but 
there's something about that blatant misogyny that really grinds my gears. The Jimmy Snuka Benoit match was bad in hindsight. Yeah. It's horrible in hindsight. I agree why you gave it the, the worst bit. But it was not the worst in the moment. Emily, who's your MVP? I'm getting to DDP for keeping that. I think that if anybody else was in that promo, it would have fallen apart. I'm giving it to DDP just for keeping that cohesive end together. That's fair. Uh, for the last time, I'm giving it to Bret Hart. Yeah. He managed to, while concussed, pull a decent match out of Kevin Nash. Yeah. Like, they weren't what? even in the corners that much. We didn't even talk about that. <laughs> like, they did that, that. That match was entertaining while being boring in the terms of the wrestling, but dirty. There were no suplexes, really. There were no, like, hard bumps. But it was dirty. It was, yeah. it was I don't know, visceral. It was raw. It was it, raw. Yeah, one last time. Give it a breath. So next episode is going to be a fucking doozy. Thank God this one was short because I feel like that one's going to be a long one. We have five goodbyes to say, as well as a bunch of backstage drama to talk about. Oh, yeah. And there's an episode. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a pay-per-view. Emily, uh, I will give you some excitement because I know you're in need of some. I don't know why. I don't know if they even bother setting it up. But you know how Jarrett was going to do three matches? Mm -hmm. Someone else does three matches on Soul. Is it Billy? It is Billy it's Kidman. Billy! Billy Kidman is going to do Triple Threat Theater. He is coming in clutch. Bless that man. He, he's going to face three different opponents for some reason, but... Uh, because as mentioned before, that six-person tag with the filthy animals, mm -hmm. that doesn't happen. I don't know. Yeah. So. Billy! You'll get some Billy Kidman next My episode. Billy. Until then, though, you can listen to all of our back catalog, including all of the previous Vince Russo Nitros and all the ones before that. Well, not all of them, but all the ones we did. <laughs> on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher iHeartRadio, Samsung Podcasts. I always feel like I forget one or two. But you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Butts in the Pod and on Facebook at the Butts and Seats Podcast. Emily, any closing thoughts before we get to sold out and just everything changes? What if we get a return of the grain inspector? Uh, you, you never know. It could happen. That's the dream. To, until she returns, or at least <laughs> until sold out. I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts in the Seats Podcast. Bye!